and welcome back to Real Clear with Dr. Klein, the crossroads of politics and psychology. If you would like to listen to ad-free episodes and have access to daily and weekly releases, essays, and other membership perks, and you also want to help in the production of this program, go to realclearpodcast.com and click subscribe. There are a lot of places in this world where you can put your money, and so I thank you for considering membership to realclearpodcast.com. I hope you enjoy this next episode. Welcome back, folks. This is a weekly news roundup. I'm going to be talking about seven really stunning stories and tying them together with a high-impact twist at the end. So stay tuned throughout the episode for that. A little bit of light housekeeping. I've changed my membership structure to Real Clear Podcast just slightly. So if you're listening to advertisements, that means you're listening to free episodes. If you'd like not to hear those and you'd like to also help produce the show, it's only $4.99 per month or it's a 17% discount on that rate if you subscribe annually. You can do that in the link below or by going to realclearpodcast.com. Thanks very much. I really appreciate it. Okay, well, starting from the top, here's the first news story that I think is extremely stunning. Bail laws questioned after suspects released in Times Square officer attack. Okay, six illegal immigrants beat down two New York City police officers in broad daylight in Times Square. And no one does anything. That's the first stunning piece. And number two, of course, the far-left district attorney in Manhattan, Alvin Bragg, let him go. He's now likely going to change his mind on that for at least one of the men after public pressure. But that was the initial happening. These men beat police officers, and they were let go without bail the same day. Okay, folks, this is where you're at in the United States. We are having a separation of urban and rural. No sane person would stay in a city center in any city region where police officers can be assaulted and the people who beat them up are let out. That is assault on a police officer in a sane world right up until yesterday. That would get you prison time. But Alvin Bragg won't do that. And he has changed the job description for which he was hired by the people of New York, who should really be thinking about their own sanity after hiring people like Alvin Bragg. But nonetheless, he's changed his job description, and he does not consider it to be his job to put criminals away and to prosecute them and keep the general public safe. No, he considers that to be racist. That's Alvin Bragg. This is a bizarre individual. He is the same person, by the way, who's bringing charges against former President Trump for the Stormy Daniels hush money case. One would think that this might cast his policy of letting criminals out without bail might cast some skepticism in the eyes of the general public as well as in the eyes of the jurors as to the sanity of his proposals in any domain. And on to the next story from the Gainesville Sun. Ready for this one? Boxing is asking for trouble by allowing trans women into the ring against females. Notice how they use the term trans women and they use the term females. Okay, Uh, one boxer says in the story, we were always taught not to hit a woman. This is a 15-year-old prodigy speaking. He can't believe his eyes, he can't believe his ears, that he may be boxing at some some point. Well, no, he won't be boxing against a woman. But um, women may be boxing against men. That's the whole point of the story. Okay, folks, this is, this is the country you're living in right now. And this has nothing to do with trans rights. Give me a break. The idea that there are some people who 
have a difficulty with so-called gender roles or sex roles, that that means that you then allow men to enter a boxing ring with women is completely insane and is false. Now, this story and stories like it make someone intuitively want to both laugh and cry. The laugh actually comes from a hysterical uh, sadness that society could be so bizarre as to land in this space. That's what the laugh comes from. It's actually part of the death instinct. When you look at a story like this, you realize that society is coming apart or maybe has come apart completely from the center and you're looking at the fallout. There's a certain kind of wry humor that the human psyche can experience when they come across almost the end of times. And I think that's what the uh, stories like this that center around so-called trans rights represent to a lot of people. It's like, what do you mean we're allowing men to box against women? By the way, there's been around 2,000 deaths in the ring uh, over around 300 years, and that's men fighting men. Uh, in, I would expect that if any kind of trend here takes on, the obvious terrible psychological sickness here is that any man who would do this obviously has a severe rage against women, a severe sadistic uh, maternal rage and so forth. Uh, who else would possibly be getting into a ring to beat up women? okay, you want to identify as a woman, fine. I mean, if you want to do that, so long as you're not proselytizing anybody else, um, okay, that's your constitutional right to appear how you'd like to appear. But that doesn't then mean that you step into the ring and punch women in the face. And that's where we are as a society. Do you have people in your life who think this is okay? Do you have people who actually say, well, you're a transphobe for thinking that men should not box against women. If you do, do you think that they're coming from a genuine place or are they, are they actually demonstrating a kind of Orwellian fear that if they don't say what they're saying, that someone's going to find out? I'm still trying to work this out. I, I don't know. I, most people talk to me in a completely sane manner uh, individually, but then when they go out in public and they think that the eyes of tech big brother are on them, they sort of, a spell comes over them. I, I don't know what you see, but I'd be interested in hearing. You can comment on this post on realclearpodcast.com if you're a paying member, just a reminder. Okay, next story. Newsom, Governor Newsom of California, backs three dam removals on the California rivers. Here's where salmon may soon swim freely. Okay, folks, the left is schizophrenic on its public policy regarding the environment and regarding a lot of things. Okay, you want to return the salmon to their previous level. I support that. We should get our salmon healthy again. I don't exactly know how to do it, but there's two things here that are really at odds with one another. We haven't built a new dam in California in 40 years. We have a burgeoning population. We don't have enough water to feed the state. It's a huge crisis. Of course, you've heard this news story many times. I'm not breaking news to you here. California has water shortage problems. Newsflash. Why would you then remove three dams? Maybe you should solve the dam and water retention problem and then figure out what to do with the little fishy. But that's not California. There's a non-human entity in trouble. So 
screw the humans, and we're going to do something idiotic like blow up dams on the Klamath River that are responsible for agricultural water distribution. But folks, don't you realize that that water is going to feed meat? That's right. It's going to go feed cows and farms. And who eats meat and who relies on farms? And how do farmers vote? Screw them. That's right. I know that's a little conspiracy theory-ish, but I really don't think that this is necessarily conscious at the level of legislation. I'm speaking more here to a collective unconscious, a sort of animus against tradition, an animus against the things that make society run. It's almost like um, where the Romans built aqueducts, we're maniacally, again, maybe through death instinct, blowing them up. It's very bizarre. Okay, moving on. Chinese migrants, some with the help of TikTok, have become the fastest growing group trying to get across the U.S. southern border. Okay, I, I don't know how to comment on this. Um, I, I should, though. That's what, you're, that's what you're listening to me for. But the story, the headline narrates itself. This is insane. By the way, there have been Confucius centers throughout the United States that have been verified Chinese spy institutes. This is, again, it's not conspiracy theory. This is verified. And we know that the CCP has an interest in infiltrating U.S. culture. And so we have Chinese migrants somehow flying into Mexico or, or flying or going somewhere. They're getting, they're getting into uh, South America with the intent of migrating north. Okay, I'm, I'm sure most of them are not spies. I'm not saying that. But um, what is their intent exactly? I assume to, to gain access to an economic system that they'll be able to stay in and so forth. Um, if I was in their position, I probably would want to do the same thing. Um, but will there be a certain percentage of them who are actual uh, spies working for the CCP, who are here to gain access to different systems and then transmit that information however they can? Um, I'm going to assume that there is. But we won't close the border. I, I don't know why. And, and now, so here's the, here's the strange happening in our, in our U.S. Congress. Maybe not strange, but predictable. So Biden let the border open. Mallorca left it open, let it hemorrhage people in the United States. Millions, unsurpassed numbers we've never seen. To the extent that it's a massive problem. So that he can then come in and say, let's close the border after millions and millions of people have come in. Now the Republicans view that as a loss for them because they won't get to look like the people who are going to fix the border. And so they're going to deny the reasonable effort that the Biden administration is now putting forth. But they didn't put forth the reasonable effort until so much blood hemorrhaged. This is our Congress, completely useless on both sides, maybe useless on more on one side than the other at times, but as a whole, useless. Speaking of the president, I'm sure you've heard this past week, the special counsel report paints scathing picture of Biden's memory, according to the Washington Post. And during the interviews with the special counsel, he had trouble recalling the years that he served as vice president. He could not pinpoint, the article says, even within several years when his son Bo had died and his memory was hazy regarding the Afghan war, which was once so vital to him. The president, on the first day of his interviewing, could not recall when he was vice president, when his term had ended. Quote, if it was 2013, 
when did I stop being vice president? Unquote. The story goes on to say, The next day as the interview continued, he could not remember when his term began, saying, quote, In 2009, am I still vice president? Unquote. And in the special counsel's report, they commented that the 81-year-old president, whose age has become a central issue in his re-election campaign, the Washington Post states, saying his memory was significantly limited and that he had limited precision and recall. One reason prosecutors concluded they would have trouble pursuing a case was that the jury might see Biden as an appealing, if forgetful, senior citizen. Yes, that's one reason they wouldn't bring him to trial, but he would also be found guilty of perjury at some later date because someone who has such a mix-up as he does is going to say things that are untrue, and then that would be a nightmare. And this is who's at the helm of the United States. This is the leader of the free world, someone who the special counsel views as a forgetful senior citizen, affable but forgetful senior citizen. I still can't believe that he's running for a second term, but he says he is, and we'll see what happens. I I can't imagine that he's going to debate. Um, As I've mentioned in previous episodes, he's the first president who's ever been whisked off stage by AIDS. If you watch his G20 summit, I can't recall a single instance like that in history where an aide interrupted the president on the global stage and said, time to get off, folks. So that's where we're at from the top down. Now, I'd mentioned to you in the beginning that I was going to tie this all together with a news story that I think is of high impact. USA Today. What if the government abolished your 401k? Economists say accounts aren't worth it. And the story goes on to describe a former Clinton administration economist and another economist who are vying for the idea of removing employer-sponsored retirement accounts and individual retirement accounts. So the theme is all of the ridiculous stories that I just read you are what America is paying attention to. Illegal immigrants beating up cops, no one does anything about it. It's all over the media. Chicago making some sort of proclamation that Hamas and Israel should stop it. And the USA Boxing Association letting men beat up women. Gavin Newsom blowing up dams. The United States allowing Chinese spies potentially through the southern border. And a president who is as senile as anybody's ever been, who is apparently going to be running for a second term to lead the great nation into the bright future. Meanwhile, they're going to come after your money. You see what's happening? Massive distraction, stupid stories, important but stupid in a sense. And meanwhile, economists on the left are finding ways to come toward a conclusion as to how they can take your money, more of your money, from you. Now, imagine what you're going to do in the future when the government says, if you want to save money in a retirement account, you can't do that in a 401k. No tax deferrals anymore. By the way, these are not tax shelters. They're tax deferrals. That means that the money grows and the government gets more as a percentage of that revenue at the end when you pull it out, as do you. It's never been a tax shelter as they call it in the story, as these economists call it. It's a tax deferral. It's one of the best ways that Americans have to save money and try to survive in life and try to make it, try to save some pittance that the government can't access and drain right away. And they want to take it. They want to take it to save Social Security. This is the government saying, we failed at something. Give us more money to do it. We utterly failed. We are failures. The state cannot do this correctly. Give the state more money. 
Do you see how deranged that is? And it's almost always the response to a failed government program. Social Security is insolvent. Give Social Security more money. No. How about we give Social Security less money? How about if it's not going to work, it dies and something else takes its place? Such ideas simply don't exist at the level of government. The state must go on. The state must increase. The citizen, as in effect, must get much smaller. Folks, the fact that stories like this are even being written is an indication, in my view, that at some point, probably in my lifetime, they will actually come after our individual retirement accounts. They see this, and the economists who are cited cite this as somehow, yep, you guessed it, uh, something the rich do to avoid paying taxes. Something the terrible, evil rich do. I don't know about you. I'm not rich, but I need somewhere to grow money so that when I'm older and I can't work as much, somehow I've saved enough and it's compounded and grown enough to where I can survive. That's what the average 401k is. That's what the average IRA is. The idea that they're going to make Social Security solvent by taking the evil, terrible, successful people's money is nothing but an infantile pipe dream of the left. But I think they're going to do it. If you keep your eyes closed enough, if you keep yourself fixated enough on silly yet important stories like I just read you throughout today, you're going to find yourself with nothing left. You're going to realize that the real stories are hidden on the back page. But if you listen to realclearpodcast.com, I will bring them to the front page for you. And just a tailwind reminder, if you'd like to subscribe and keep this going and keep me motivated to keep doing this for you, go to realclearpodcast.com, $4.99 a month or a 17% discount for annual memberships. Okay, folks, I'll be with you soon. I'm going to release an episode with one of my favorite podcasters, Joshua Slocum, this coming week from the Disaffected Podcast. This guy has got a lot to offer, and I so enjoy talking with him about Cluster B personality and how it affects society at the level of the individual as well as policymaking. Look for that next week, probably Tuesday or Thursday. But you don't have to worry about looking for it. You'll get a newsletter that I'll email to you automatically if you're a member. All right, folks, take care. Have a great weekend.